Hello, and welcome to Scary to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Happy New Year, everyone. Sorry this episode is going up a little late. This week was rough and weird, and I think I had the same haze that so many of us get between holidays and right before the new year actually begins, especially since my other job is on hiatus at the moment. So I was at my parents' house making pie and playing with cats and not knowing what day it was. I'm not going to bore you with any resolutions. I don't really do resolutions. I have nothing against them. I just don't do them. Um, I just try to, I don't know, be a better person than I was last year and work on all my projects and mental health and all the same stuff everyone else does. But if I write them out individually, it just gives me anxiety. And look at me. I just bored you with all of my resolutions. (laughs) I lied. Anyway... Before we begin, I announced on social media, but for those of you who avoid social media at all costs, I recently had a small influx of true stories in my inbox, and I will soon be compiling another True Tales episode. It's way overdue. My last one came out, let's see, it was in, it was last April. Okay, so that's not that bad. It's not as bad as I thought, but it's still been a good bit. So, Send me your scary true stories, be they ghost stories or cryptids or aliens or even stories about scary people. Send them to scarytosleep at gmail.com or if you know anyone with a good story, tell them they can send it my way. I just had a friend tell me one that I cannot wait to share with you on the show. He just told me last night and I still have residual chills and I seriously can't stop thinking about it. And I was like, please, 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 can I please put this on my show? Can you please type this out? Because... Oh my god, you guys, it's it's disturbing. Anyway, okay, so I'm dusting off all these cobwebs. I pre-recorded a lot of episodes for the last few weeks of December because I was out of town, and now I'm really rusty. All right, so first up this week is a short but sweet story by Erot Sibla, who you will remember from their story, Confessions of a Dreamer. This is Legend in Old Dublin. I am an American who was living in Ireland for about three years. If you have ever visited Ireland, you surely know that Irish culture is steeped in folklore, and the locals enjoy sharing their lore over a pint in pubs from Dublin to Dundalk. There seems to be lore surrounding nearly everything on the Emerald Isle. I came across some photos I took, and it reminded me of a statue that I used to pass on my way to work when I lived in Dublin. There were so many nicknames for it. The tart with the cart, the dish with the fish. I am talking about the beautiful bronze statue of a woman called Molly Malone. Although she has been sung about by prominent artists like you 2 through Sinead O'Connor and many, many more, there are conflicting legends about who Molly Malone was. Some say she was fictional, but locals tell a different tale. Many say she was a simple fishmonger who was legendarily beautiful. According to most accounts, Molly had long auburn hair and a figure you wouldn't forget. Others say she wasn't just an innocent merchant and that the Irish beauty peddled more than just fish. All can agree she died young, at about age 17. Some say from a fever, others say she was murdered. Many say she haunts the streets of Dublin. Some say that they've seen her apparition. I will share my experience of the time I saw it too. You can judge for yourself. I won't be offended if you choose not to believe me. 
I wasn't alone, and I know what I saw in those wee hours of the morning through the thick fog in Dublin. I have been on Grafton Street many nights, but this night it was well after midnight, around 3am. As the late night air settled, a low fog developed. My fiancé and I were walking back to our apartment, just off the Keys in Temple Bar. The streets were quite deserted that evening. Admittedly, we drank more than a little bit, but quite suddenly, I felt an odd wind blowing. The hairs stood on the back of my neck. From the look on my fiancé's face, I could see he felt it too. It was as if the atmosphere changed, and the abrupt smell of fish hung heavy in the chilly air. As our footsteps echoed on the lonely streets, we heard squeaking wheels nearing closer. In the distance, we saw the figure of a woman, dressed in 17th century clothing, not unlike the very statue of Molly Malone that we'd seen so many times before. The woman was pushing an old-fashioned cart. As it got closer, we could see the form better. The face was completely blurred, but there was no doubt that we were seeing the apparition of Molly Malone pushing her cart. As the visage faded into the fog, the sound and the smell lingered, but we didn't. Suddenly sobered, we made it home in record time. If you're ever in Dublin, do stop by the statue of Molly Malone. But if you find yourself near the city center at night, don't be surprised if you meet this legend too close for your comfort. If nothing else, you must admire her dedication to her work. She makes it clear, some folks don't even retire when they are dead. As you all know, sometimes I get to take part in different podcasts, not just my own. And so I'd like to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I was asked to be a guest on. Birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, these are the important dates most people tend to remember. The Parcast Network remembers important dates in true crime history. Today in True Crime is the new daily podcast from Parcast that takes you back to the most significant events in true crime that happened each day in history. And I'm happy to tell you that I'm guest hosting, I guest hosted, on episode 1-1. That's right, I got to guest host on the first episode of the decade. Isn't that great? Parcast has been a pioneer in the podcast space, and there hasn't been a daily true crime show like this before, so I'm so excited for the opportunity to guest host. Be sure to follow Today in True Crime, now on Spotify, so you never run out of true crime content again. And don't forget to catch me as the guest host on January 1st. That's Today in True Crime. Content warning. This last story of the evening involves animal harm and cruelty. Please avoid this story if this is a bothersome subject to you, and I will see you next week. This story is called The Boy in the Window, and it's by Eli Shaw. My name is Arthur Browning. I am a 24-year-old manager at a convenience store. I live in a suburban town in Ohio. I decided last year that I was going to buy my own home, 
Something small, easy to maintain, but had a decent-sized yard for my dog, Charlie. I was living in an apartment with a roommate. He was a nice enough guy, but hearing his video games all night made it increasingly hard to sleep. I was finally getting to a financial point in my life that it made sense to buy my own home. I went house hunting for a few months. I didn't want to make a mistake in my first big adult purchase. I tried to look for something in the town, close to my store. After a few months, I found a place that seemed to really fit me. It was a small house, in really great shape, for a more than reasonable price. I had asked the realtor several times if there had been a problem with the foundation, or maybe a murder or death in the home. She assured me countless times that, although the home seemed too good to be true, it wasn't. It was a few weeks later that I had finalized on the house and was moving my things in. My old roommate was gracious enough to lend me a hand. We were moving a couch I had just bought on Craigslist into the living room when his head whipped around. Did you hear that? He said. I looked around, held my breath, and listened closely to the room around me. No, I replied. He was staring at the window. Outside, it was a sunny but cold day. The fall leaves had turned a deep red and were sticking to the furniture we were carrying. We unpacked all of my belongings and I ordered Chinese to thank him for his help. Soon after nightfall, he left and I spent my first night in my new home, alone. I was having difficulty sleeping. Usually by now, my roommate's video games were annoying me. My room had a window that looked out to the backyard and directly behind my fence was a streetlight for a small alleyway. The yellowish hue shone into my room and cast a shadow of my blinds on the floor. I noticed out of the corner of my eye, the light being cast. It flashed. Charlie, laying on my bed, raised his head. He noticed it too. Alerted, I jumped out of bed to peer out my window. Nothing. I just assumed that it was a bird or something, eclipsing the streetlight. I found it even harder to lay in silence after that. I turned on a podcast and before hey, too long, and drifted off. To another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my cool friend, Jessica. The next morning started a bit later than I had planned. It was the weekend, so I didn't mind too much when my eyes opened to the late morning, shining through my window. I walked to the bathroom, then the kitchen, and began making my morning coffee. I heard a knock on my door. I walked towards the sound, unlocked the deadbolt, and opened the door to a smiling young woman carrying a box. Hi, I'm Katie Smalls. I live in the house next door. The 25-something woman was absolutely beaming with excitement when she spoke. I'm awfully sorry if I woke you up, she said as she eyed my sweatpants and t-shirt. No, no, you didn't wake me up. I'm just making some coffee. If you'd like some? She smiled to herself, and then to me, while she opened up the box she had been carrying. A small assortment of donuts was in it. She hastily accepted my offer and stepped inside. It'll be so nice to have someone living here, said Katie as I poured her a cup of coffee. I turned and started towards my small kitchen table. How long have you lived next door? Uh, Two years, actually, but you're my first neighbor. Oh gosh, I hope I'm doing this right. Katie started to look unsure of herself. Well, you're my first neighbor too. I mean, I had a roommate, but he didn't bring me donuts my first day. I'd say you're doing great. 
We talked for about an hour or so about our jobs, the neighborhood, things like that. She mentioned some neighborhood kids that like to bother people. Charlie even came to say hello to her. He liked everyone, so it was no surprise he liked her. After Katie left, I began unpacking boxes of my belongings. I spent the remainder of my day setting up my television, arranging my knickknacks, and settling in. It was about 8 p.m., and I was sitting down in my living room to catch up on a show I'd been binge-watching before my move, when I heard it. It was a faint tap. I looked towards the living room window when I saw a silhouette outside. The tapping began again. I got off the couch and went towards the front door. I turned on the front porch light and unlocked my door. When I opened it and peered out, hoping to catch a glimpse of someone scurrying off, there was nothing. I had figured it was just neighborhood kids. I sat back on the couch and watched my show until I drifted off into a restless sleep. I was woken up by an audible pounding on my window. My eyes shot open, and before I could make sense of my surroundings, I saw Katie. She seemed noticeably upset. She pointed for the front door. I rubbed my eyes on the way to see what she so urgently wanted. Yeah, I said, slightly irritated. I'm so sorry to bother you. I really am. Is Charlie okay? Yeah, I mean, I think. I haven't seen him. Charlie? He came, looking as tired as me. Yeah, he looks fine to me. Why? She started sobbing and bent down to give Charlie a warm pet on the head. When she gently grabbed one of his ears and gave it a soft stroke, she looked up. Ben, my dog, he was attacked. Attacked? I said. Like, by another dog? Is he okay? No. No, he's not okay. I don't understand. He stays outside every... (laughs) She broke down again. This time, she leaned into me and buried her head into my shirt. Her tears stained my shoulder. I invited her in, told her I'd make some coffee, and she could tell me everything. I, I keep him tied out back. When I woke up, I went out to let him in, and his rope was cut. Her voice was shaking. I was a bit shaken, too. Where'd you find him? I said, as soothingly as I could. On the sidewalk, right outside your house. My mind burned. Katie, I I didn't, I... She interrupted me. No, no, I know. I I know you didn't. It was those punk kids. It had to be. Did you call the police? No. Not yet. They They won't do anything anyways. I think my brain was finally waking up, and the person outside my window last night flashed into my head. Last night, someone was knocking on my window... When I went out to see who it was, no one was there. I bet it was those kids. Seriously? I I don't even get them. 
When I was a kid, I was talking about boys and, at most, throwing a couple rolls of toilet paper on Halloween. She was growing angry. I mean, what did they want? Oh my god. I bet they wanted you to see Ben. I bet they're like little Ted Bundys wanting to show off their abuse. Katie continued to vent, but now my mind was focused on the fact that they might have wanted me to see. What if Ben died just to scare the new guy? Katie called the police, and we told them everything we could think of. She even knew where one of the kids lived. That night, I had a horrible time trying to sleep. When Charlie had to pee, I went out with him. I woke up the next morning absolutely exhausted before work. I tried to seem my normal self while working, but that proved to be impossible. I was noticeably stressed out. My general manager was in, and he took notice. He asked me to meet with him in his office. He asked me what was going on. I explained as best as I could. My lips started quivering uncontrollably. He was very understanding and sent me home early. That was the last place I wanted to go. When I stepped into my front door, Charlie was whimpering. He was holding his head down in submission, admitting he did something wrong. I looked around the house and noticed he'd peed on the floor. I gave him a treat and cleaned his urine. I didn't want him to think he angered me, so I spoke sweetly, like you would to a raging two-year-old. I didn't want to punish him for being safe. After he gobbled up his treat, I opened the back door and stepped outside with him. It was getting cold. It must have been below freezing. There was still frost on the ground despite the glimmers of sunshine. I went inside for a drink to calm my nerves. Before I knew it, I was more than a little tipsy. I was watching the Weather Channel. It was early November, and it was already going to snow. The prospect of driving to work tomorrow in two inches of slush made me pour another drink. Dinner time rolled around, and I heated up something from the freezer and downed it with more liquor. I dozed off on the couch again. I was awakened to the sound of Charlie barking. In between barks, he whimpered loudly. He was staring nervously at the window. I still felt dizzy from the alcohol when I heard it, pounding ringing in my ears from the windows. My head was burning. It was black outside, but I could absolutely make out a shadow in the window, slamming his closed hand against the glass. Charlie's barking became louder as he backed away from the window, never taking his eyes off. I was frozen with fear. I could see the white snowflakes disappearing behind the figure. Thunk. Thunk. The window glass reflected light and the waves of impact from the other side. Adrenaline took over. I stood up and ran to the door. It was like my body was acting without permission from my mind. My left hand grabbed the doorknob while my right hand grabbed a baseball bat I'd put there the day before. I swung the door open and rushed outside towards my window. I was sprinting, holding my bat behind my head. I reached the window when I heard the front door slam. Charlie was barking loudly, growling. I turned to run to my front door. The liquor I had left in my system caused me to stumble and fall on the cold, snowy ground. I got back to my feet as quickly as I could. I put my hand on the front door when I heard the deadbolt lock. I ran around my yard, half jumped, half fell over my fence. I sprinted to my back door, slamming into it with my hand on the doorknob. It was locked. 
I ran back to my front window. I started banging on the window just like the intruder. My intruder appeared under the flickering light of my television. He was sickly pale and thin as a rail. He was looking away from me and towards Charlie. He put his hand out and as Charlie approached, wrapped his hand around his head and gave a sickening twist. Charlie yelped and fell into a furry lump. I smacked the window once with my baseball bat. It bounced hard off the glass and almost hit me in the face. I pulled the bat further behind my head and slammed it again into the window. The glass shattered and sprayed all over my living room floor. I used the edge of the bat to scrape the remaining glass off the windowsill. I was quick, so I didn't pay attention. When I put my hand on the ledge to vault myself over, a shard of pointed glass lodged deeply in the heel of my hand. The pain was searing and shot through my spine. I landed on my feet, only glancing at my wound. I sprung up, bat behind my head, and swung it. The boy's head turned to me mid-swing. His eyes were black. Not the kind from a bruise, but the kind a bird has. His mouth was open, and his toothless and purple lips gave the impression of fear. The bat was swinging quickly at his head as I processed his appearance. The bat made contact, or at least got to the point where it should have contacted, and grazed right through. Black smoke fell on the ground. He was gone. The police arrived a few moments later, responding to a call from Katie. The scene didn't look good. I was standing, blood on my hands in my ruined living room with a baseball bat in one hand with Charlie's lifeless body at my feet. The rest of the night was a blur. I vaguely remember a horrified look on Katie's face as she gazed upon me being dragged out of my own home by the police. I woke up in the hospital. My left hand was bandaged up to my forearm. My right hand was handcuffed to the bed. Moments later, after I awoke, a cop came in the room. I could tell by his look that I was in deep shit. He sat down by my bed, pulled out a small notebook out of his breast pocket, read me my rights, and started asking me questions. Can you state your name for me? Arthur Browning. Sir, I... I didn't kill him. I just want to ask you some questions, man. Calm down. He tried to be soothing, coaxing. Tears were streaming down my face. I'll answer anything, but honestly, a ghost killed my dog. A ghost killed my dog! I'm sure you can assume how the rest of the conversation went. Before I knew it, I was in the psych ward of the local hospital. I was there for almost a full week. They fed me medicine I didn't need and food I didn't want. A nurse approached me cautiously and softly told me, Mr. Browning, you have a guest. I was hoping with all of my heart it was Katie. I wanted her to know I didn't do anything. It wasn't. It was an old, short, skinny man. He sat down next to me. His body sank into the chair and the two seemed to bond together. 
His eyes were hard to look in, but that could have been the medicine. I didn't do it. The words came out before I could process them. I know you didn't, son. He looked sorrowful. It was Simon, my brother. My mind started to race. Who? I stuttered. What I'm going to tell you is a lot to process. He took a deep breath. My father died when I was 16. Simon was 12. Our mother remarried two years later. Our stepfather hated Simon almost as soon as he met him. He was horribly abusive. He paused again, seeming to brace himself. He beat my mother constantly. In fall of 1978, he kicked Simon out. My head was swimming. I was trying to decode what he was telling me as soon as it came out of his mouth. Our stepdad had this big beast of a dog. Some type of pit or something. It, it was just a big dog. It guarded him constantly and in turn guarded our house. Simon had always been terrified of dogs. Simon used to knock on the window and I would toss him out some food. He was only 14. He had no idea how to take care of himself. He didn't last long in the blizzard of 1978. We all assumed he had just left. A quiver shook the man's lips. When the snow melted away, we found him. He had frozen to death. You gotta tell the cops, man. They think I killed my dog. They think I killed the neighbor's dog. I was shaking with anger and relief. I was honestly starting to believe I killed Charlie. It won't do any good, son. I started sobbing. They have to know. They... They have to know the truth. My head was getting hotter and hotter. I felt rage boiling up inside of me. You have to tell them I didn't do it. I didn't do it. A nurse rushed over to the man and began to escort him out. Two male nurses grabbed my arms and another nurse stepped behind me. I felt a pinch in my neck, and I woke up alone. Thanks for listening. And a huge thank you to Tara and Jessica of Three Spooked Girls for letting me play a clip of their show during The Boy in the Window. Beautiful cameo, ladies. And if you want to hear more from them, I'll be playing their trailer after my outro. This is a different trailer from the last one I played a bajillion years ago. They've done some revamping of the show, so stick around and give it a listen. On to Patreon shoutouts. I'm officially back in LA and I can get back to bonus content, so thank you so much to all my old faithfuls for your patience and welcome, new members, including C, Leslie Johnson, Abby, Kevin Underhill, and Paige Janelle. Sending you all so much love and light and hugs and handshakes if you're not into hugs or, you know, just a good thumbs up. 
anything like that, thank you for being part of the Patreon family. I'm so happy to have you. Remember, you can follow the show on Reddit, Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send all your story entries to scarytosleep at gmail.com. Check out my guest spot on Today in True Crime. I have lots more cool stuff happening this year, including some really neat voice acting gigs on some really exciting audio dramas. I wish I could say more, but I can't. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm, like, I'm just bursting. I really want to tell you, but I can't. Anyway, now, go get some sleep. Stick around for the Three Spooked Girls trailer and Sweet Dreams. Hey guys, my name is Tara. And my name is Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast, Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal. Or murder. Join us every Monday as we tell our listeners about a new spooky tale or true crime case. We'll have a special drink recipe each episode picked out by me for you to enjoy while we scare the hell out of you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever the hell else you listen to podcasts. Come hang out with us and get your spooky on. 